0: I'm Chelsea Daniels. It's February 29th, and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Later today, Fa'anana Efeso Collins will be laid to rest. The former Auckland councillor and mayoral candidate, turned Green MP, died suddenly last week after participating in a charity event. His funeral was expected to draw a massive crowd in Monaco, a sign of the massive respect he was held in by the wider South Auckland community he was so passionately advocating for. Vaimoana Masse, the editor of the Herald's Pacifica section Talanoa, first met Collins as a teenager 21 years ago and has followed his growth and career during her own. She joins us today on the front page to discuss the outpouring of grief and love for the late Efeso Collins. Moana, tell me, what was your initial reaction when you heard the news
1: that Collins had passed away? It was just shock. I think for a lot of people, hearing the news that he'd collapsed at a, uh, an event in the first place was already obviously newsworthy to us. But as the minutes dragged on and we could see that the ambulance was still there and sort of no rush or, yeah, the understanding that it was actually worse than just a collapse or just a faint. Yeah, nah, man, it was a big shock. Big shock that Whanana had passed away that day.
0: And like you said, it happened during a charity event in Auckland CBD to raise money for clean water in the Pacific. Does that not, in a way, represent what sort of a person he was, how dedicated he was for standing up for his community?
1: Yes, it, it very much does represent the man that he was. For those of us who who sort of had an understanding or knew of the man Whanana, or Collins, he was very much for the people and for his Pacific people, um, not just here in New Zealand, Aotearoa, but also around the region, the Pacific region. So knowing that he um, died... At a place where he had just, you know, given up his time or, you know, his morning to take part in this charity event, um, raising money to help water projects in the Pacific, very much spoke about the man that he was.
0: And that's giving up his time as well. I mean, I know in the newsroom, he would always call us back, always talk to us about Pacifica issues. And even as a South Auckland councillor as well, he was always available for his community. That That was kind of what he loved doing,
1: right? Yeah. He was sort of the person that a lot of people or a lot of us in the media knew that he would answer and also trusted that he had, like, his voice or his thoughts were very much a reflection of what the people in Ōtara or Ōtahu or South Auckland in general and the Pacific community, you know, it was a very much an honest reflection of how those people or those communities felt. So I, for one, um, always appreciated when he took my calls or, um, you know, I'd send a text and he'd be busy or something and always say, oh, no, I'll call you back, mana, it's all right. He knew that he represented those communities and knew that his voice needed to be heard.
2: As a New Zealand-born Samoan living in South Auckland, I've experienced, written about, and spoken about racism in this country. I've also been on a well-publicised journey in understanding the needs and views of our rainbow communities, and I have a long way to go. And my message to whānau who often experience the sharp end of discrimination, disabled, ethnic, rainbow, brown, seniors, and neurodiverse – is thank you for trusting us with the responsibility of facilitating a new discussion on how we move forward together and make possible what was once deemed impossible.
0: You wrote in a piece in the hours after his death about the first time you met him when you were 16. Uh, Can you share with us those early memories?
1: Yeah. So I think it was 2003. I was year 12. And it was a last-minute trip that we got asked to yeah, take part in. It was a it was called the Dream for no camp. And basically it was a camp for students from around Auckland. I think it was targeted at South Auckland students, South Auckland High School students. But I went to Massey High in um West Auckland. And so there was only about six of us that went. Um when we got to the camp it was up in um it was in Cambridge and it was freezing. Anyway I think there was about 200, 200 Pacifica students from De La Salle, Macaulay, James Cook High School, St. Paul's. I think I'm missing a couple, but yeah, there were South Auckland high schools and then there was our our high school. And the camp was basically about giving students an idea of what they could become or what they could be one day. And it was about inspiring these young Pacifica students um, about, yeah, Furthering their education, um, going on to study at tertiary level, and I found out later that he, so Efeso was the one that sort of came up with the dream funnel, the concept. One of the first things that we got asked to do at the camp was to fill out forms, just basically sharing what your, you know, what your aspirations were or what your goals were. And I was, yeah, I was sixteen, but knew I wanted to become a journalist. So I'd written it down, not hoping for anything, like because um, they had promised that we would be able to speak to people from our community who were either working in the jobs or studying to be, you know, like a lawyer or a doctor or nurse. And anyway, the next day he came up to me and he said, Are you the one that wanted to be a journalist? And I said, Yeah. And he said, Oh, I've actually organized for um, one of my Pacific journalist friends to come and speak to us and, yeah, obviously speak to you. That was my first engagement with him, still very much young, but um, even then, you know, he was such a commanding speaker, um, very charismatic, commanded the room, and yeah, man, great speaker, great orator, and very funny too. A lot of people don't really <laughs> realise, but he was a bit of a mocker as well, um, very much that Samoan humour and island banter that, I don't know, because some, sometimes get you in trouble. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, he was very funny as well, for those who know. No, no. And how
0: incredible is that, that he saw you, knew that you wanted to become a journalist, and then how many times have you interviewed him over the years, right? Like, how incredible.
1: Yeah, um, it's pretty funny because I didn't really get the chance at the camp to, you know, say, like, thank you for organising that. Uh, the, the journalist that he got was Pacific journalist, Vienna Richards, and she was working at, I think she was working at Pacific Media Network at the time, uh, 531PI. It wasn't until like years later I got to say properly, thank you for that opportunity, you know, thank you for allowing me access to, you know, because I think that was the first time I'd ever met a journalist. But yeah, over the years, I've interviewed her many other times and even spoken about Dream because, I mean, yeah, not to be funny or anything, but... I'm not the only person who did very well, like who attended uh, Dream Faunal over the years. You know, even now I, n- I have friends who went to that camp who, um, yeah, doing very well, like in the education sector, in health, in law, and yeah, we did okay. He was a massive advocate for the Pacific community, a massive advocate for the vulnerable, for the poor, for young people for South Auckland.
2: His lived experience would have been huge and that that's just gone in an instant. You can't replace people like that overnight. He was one of our great hopes for our future as Pacific people in Aotearoa.
0: I mean, that's just one example of the many ways he supported Pacifica and Māori youth, right? Particularly from South Auckland. How did he get into this line of work and what were his early jobs before being uh, part of Auckland
1: Council and eventually an MP? So for a lot of Kiwis, you know, we sort of understand him as lately, of course, a Green MP and before that Auckland Councillor, local board member for Ōtara Toitoi, um, local board. But those in South Auckland and particularly in Ōtahu and Ōtara will know this man like 20, 30 years ago, you know. He's not new to us. He's always been in the community, for the community, very part of the community. And he's worked as a youth worker, a Pacifica advocate. He's worked in the education sector, particularly at the Auckland University, yeah, where he was also the, our first ever Pacific president for the association there. But he has also been a broadcaster. So he worked for Pacific Media, Media Network for a while. Yeah, he's just been involved in the community and in various sectors and many examples but particularly as a youth advisor or youth advocate, Pacific advocate and honestly when I think of FSL Collins I just think of community and people.
0: From your many conversations with him over the years, what do you think his motivation was? Why did he want to put himself out there like this?
1: Oh, easy. Yeah, for the people. That's the thing that comes to mind always is, like, if you've known him this long or even those who have just started to understand who he was even after his death. Because over the weekend, you know, I've, I've spoken to even just a few friends, you know, my mates or cousins, and it's funny, it's like everyone has an air vessel story. It's so weird. But in every story, it's like uh, he's speaking to them or has always valued them or has somehow made them feel special in some way. But his motivations for the people, yeah, people, and obviously when you think about our community, it's not always, um, you know, it's a bit of a struggle street at times. Our Pacifica communities, or Tara, South Auckland communities... So those are the people that are that have been his motivations over the years. But on a personal level, then easy his family, his beautiful wife Vasafia and their daughters Gabriella um, and Asalemo, and also his mother. You know the people that he came from, the people who raised him, his father Zaulili Sio, and his mother Lotomau Collins, who is still with us. You know a Lotomau. Those are the things that over the years when I'd, I've interviewed him. It's his people, his hood, his family, um, his roots, but also, yeah, for those who know him, he's a man of faith as well, so his God.
0: Efeso only delivered his maiden speech at Parliament a week before his death. He did mention family and his community in that as well.
2: And finally to my family, it's Owha ya linga o ya asalemo ek elika. My parents' dad, Tony Ili Siol, and my brother Thomas, who are both watching from heaven. And my mum, little Mull Collins, who is here in the gallery. Thank you all. To the most amazing women in my life, with whom I'd like to wish a belated happy Valentines. <laughs> to my beautiful wife, Fia, Gabriella and Asalem, I love you.
0: What were the big takeaways for you personally from that?
1: Man, it's it, it's crazy just to think that it that was just you know a few days ago, or yeah, just over a week ago. But the takebacks that I got from his speech were so much potential, way eh? so much potential, and like a man that was really gunning for for change or for his people, um, who really wanted to come and represent his lectura and his people his community his culture because i think he started yeah he did he started his maiden speech speaking tiddil and then took a loan and then Samoan. just an example of his roots my take backs were the potential he what he has or he had representing his his people just so much promise it's hard to say you know i was just about to say you know potential that wasn't realized or you know, we'll never see. But I don't know, it feels like he, he did reach the potential that he'd always built up or, you know, he'd worked so hard for over the years. But, yeah, in saying that, so many of us, uh, yeah, talk about, oh, man, you know, what could have been? What could have been?
0: And you speak of that potential as well. And, I mean, he just seemed like a man who was so truly well-respected and who truly cared about his community and, and just people in general. Even the, the conversations that I've had with him, he's always been a staunch believer in community and doing the best for his community, no matter how small or big. So I guess uh, from Parliament, his community would have only gotten bigger and he would have only helped more people. And in terms of that, we've seen people from across the entire political spectrum come out and pay tribute to him, uh, many of whom we'll likely see at his funeral later today. What does it say about the sort of man Afezo was that no one, literally no one, has a bad word to say about him?
1: I noticed that as well, but I'm sure he had his weaknesses, you know, like all of us, we have weaknesses. But um, all the tributes that I've seen or read or heard about him are either, yeah, very emotional or very community-minded stories or, you know, those beautiful connections that people had with FSO over the years. But also some of the stories I've heard are very funny, like, you know, uh, people sharing how, how he used to be, you know, mocking them just for laughs. Or we we did see a bit of his humour in the maiden speech as well. I think he mentioned something about, you know, wishing his daughters um, Happy Valentines and knowing that like, he's going to be their Valentines forever because they're not allowed to get married till they're 50.
2: Gabriela and Asalemo, a quick reminder that I will be your Valentines forever because in true Simon fashion, you can't get married till you're 50.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just like little little jokes like that. But I think it speaks to a man who was able, who had a special ability or an uncanny ability to value everybody's opinions, no matter what you believed in or where you stood on the political side of things. It talks to a man who, yeah, was able to accept anybody or anyone's views. It doesn't matter what you think or believe in.
0: Can you explain his title of Faanana and the significance
1: of that? So I'm actually not sure when he got that title, but it's a chiefly title from his. I understand his mother's village in Satufia in Satupaitia, in the Big Island of Savai in Samoa. We call it Alii, which is a respectful uh, high chief title. Basically, as a Matsai, you're seen as a leader in your family or your village. And it's basically given to generations or different generations of families to, you know, look after each other, look after that generation. But also it speaks to a respect that's given to him, that's been bestowed to him on behalf of his family or village because of his service. So that's why most people are bestowed a title is because they know that that person is going to lead their family or their village well and in a good way. And that's exactly the kind of person that Fanana was.
0: And that's what I was thinking when you were speaking and, and describing what that meant as well, is yeah. that he took that title of Fa'anana and took it beyond his village, didn't he?
1: Yeah, very much so. Not just in Samoa, but also his family here in New Zealand and Australia and different parts of the world, but also his people, yeah, the community.
0: Moana, what do you think Feso's legacy is going to be?
1: Um, that's such a tough one. Um, his legacy is already something that we've seen, I think. I think he's already left a legacy. We're even still seeing his legacy. You know, the the number of people who are turning up to pay respects and say farewell. I think the Tipinei Funeral Home has probably never seen this kind of uh, turnout. You're seeing politicians, Auckland councillors from different parts of the city, not just Southside. I understand Mayor Wayne Wayne Brown went yesterday, the leader of the opposition, uh, Chris Hipkins, the Green Party, of course, Labour Party, all the parties. I understand Prime Minister Chris Luxon is going to be at the funeral as well. And it's just, uh, to me, that's the legacy right there. You know, he's touched so many people and somehow made everybody feel special or valued in his own way. And I truly hope that his legacy doesn't stop here. He fought so hard for, I think he called them the square pigs in his maiden speech, you know, the underdogs or if you like. And I hope to see more young Pacifica standing up or be motivated or inspired by his example and, yeah, just carry on to be good people and good in whatever they choose to become.
0: Thanks for joining us, Moana. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Ethan Seals with sound engineer Paddy Fox. I'm Chelsea Daniels. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts and tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.